Good morning from Pittsburgh. I'm James Holman from the Washington Post, and this is the Daily 202 for Friday, March 9th. In today's news, Donald Trump says he will meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The president officially signs the order imposing tariffs, insulting American allies. And Corey Lewandowski gets grilled by the House Intelligence Committee. But first, the big idea. Trump has launched a rescue mission to save a Republican seat in a Pennsylvania special election. If GOP congressional candidate Rick Saccone wins an unexpectedly close special election here in the Pittsburgh area next Tuesday, it will be on Trump's coattails. On the other hand, this race wouldn't be competitive at all if the president was not so gosh darn polarizing, even in a mostly blue-collar, largely rural, southwestern Pennsylvania district that he carried by 20 points in 2016. This race should be a gimme for Republicans. Democrats didn't even bother to field a candidate in 2016 or 2014. Then the longtime GOP incumbent resigned because of a sex scandal. Now, public and private polls show the context is a toss-up. White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway flew up here Thursday to say that Saccone would be a, quote, reliable vote for the president. She went to a meet and greet at a party headquarters and stumped for him during a Lincoln Day dinner here in Allegheny County. The woman who managed Trump's 2016 campaign boasted at length about the tariffs that Trump is putting on imported steel and aluminum. Unlike congressional Republicans who were overwhelmingly opposed to these, the crowd of 500 at the dinner last night applauded heartily. White House officials have said over the past week that they think the tariffs could help make the difference in this race. The United Steelworkers Union, which endorsed Democratic candidate Connor Lamb, says that 18,000 of its members live in the district. Conway described herself as the warm-up band for the real rock star. Trump plans to come here to hold a massive blowout rally in a hangar at the Pittsburgh airport on Saturday night. The president's aides discussed having Trump formally sign the tariffs during his rally for Saccone, but they concluded that that would politicize them unnecessarily. Afraid he's going to lose next week, other aides have encouraged the president to consider not coming at all. But Trump wants to be here. He likes to go where he knows he'll be welcomed with open arms. The president previously plugged Saccone when he came here in January to sell the tax cuts. He was scheduled to headline another rally in February, but canceled because of the massacre at a high school in Florida. The president's son, Donald Jr., will come here on Monday to stump with the Republican. Other surrogates have also come already. Vice President Pence and Ivanka Trump both trekked up for separate events designed to help Saccone last month. The administration's even using old-fashioned pork barrel spending to drag Saccone across the finish line. Secretary of the Interior Ryan Zinke came to a small town in the district on February 24th to announce a $301 million program to reclaim abandoned coal mine land. Not one for subtlety, Zinke signed a huge ceremonial check as the GOP candidate looked on. They were half a mile from an abandoned mine. Saccone, a state representative who spent two decades in the Air Force, promises to be Trump's wingman. He says he was Trump before there was Trump. This really is ground zero of Trump's geographic base. He carried the Keystone State, which was so key to his victory because of his strength in western Pennsylvania. This district stretches from the Pittsburgh suburbs to the state's borders with West Virginia and Ohio. A defeat here next week, after everything Trump and his aides have done, would represent the biggest political humiliation for the president since he went all in for Roy Moore in Alabama last December, 
even after the GOP candidate was accused of molesting teenage girls. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump agreed to meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un for talks by May. Kim has committed to stopping nuclear missile testing during this period. The breakthrough is being touted as the biggest foreign policy win of Trump's presidency thus far. This would be the first time that leaders of the two nations have ever met, and it's an extraordinary stride towards potential diplomacy after months of aggressive rhetoric and heightened tensions. But there's a risk to meeting with the rogue nation without the kind of preconditions sought by previous administrations of both parties. American presidents have been wary of offering the Kim regime that kind of validation. Critics think that, really, this is a victory for Kim, who for years has sought proof of his status and North Korea's power by dangling the offer of talks with Washington. Illustrating the chaos that reigns in our government, Trump's surprise announcement last night apparently caught his own State Department off guard. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson said just a few hours before that there might never be any talks at all. The scattershot lack of coordination is reflective of a pattern of mixed messaging that characterizes Trump's North Korea diplomacy. Now, the White House is committed to an unprecedented meeting at a time when the administration still lacks a fully staffed cadre of diplomats and foreign policy advisors. We still, for example, don't have an ambassador to South Korea almost 14 months after Trump took office. Number two, Trump signed that order imposing steel and aluminum tariffs on Thursday despite intense opposition from business and members of his own party. Here's the details. The order will take effect in 15 days, extend some relief to some U.S. allies, including Canada and Mexico. In that way, the plan differs significantly from Trump's initial suggestion that he would apply the taxes to imports from all countries. Still, most U.S. allies are both bewildered and insulted. Nature abhors a vacuum, and other countries are stepping up to fill the void left by the abdication of American leadership in the world. Trump's tariffs came just a few hours after Japan and 10 other countries formalized a new Pacific Free Trade Agreement without the participation of the United States. That means our consumers will miss out on the benefits. Number three, former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski returned to Capitol Hill to testify before the House Intelligence Committee as part of its ongoing Russia probe. But while he told reporters afterwards that he answered every question, the panel's leading Democrat, Congressman Adam Schiff from California, said the three-hour interview, which took place behind closed doors, was contentious, and there was much Lewandowski would not say. Meanwhile, new information about that meeting in the Seychelles Islands. George Nader, the businessman who represented the United Arab Emirates during the January 2017 huddle, has told Special Counsel Bob Mueller that intermediaries from the UAE did not introduce Blackwater founder Eric Prince to an investor linked to Vladimir Putin. That information directly contradicts Prince's testimony from November. Meanwhile, Prince is planning to host a fundraiser this month for Representative Dana Rohrabacher, the Republican from California. He's infamous for cozying up to the Kremlin and palling around with Putin. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, March 9th. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you on Monday.